you know, <clears throat> nice to be with you again this morning. The mind is um, an interesting relationship. very fickle. Sometimes it's your friend. Sometimes you wonder, (laughs) you know, why me? It really, I mean, it's really, it's amazing, you know. I just went from that room to this room and um, my mind had all kinds of things to say about it, you know. It's amazing. I don't, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not actually interested in anything that my mind tells me. I don't even think of it as my mind. <laughs> it's like... kind of almost like reading a paper, you know. <clears throat> it has its opinions. <laughs> They're mostly wrong. <clears throat> Have nothing to do with reality. But we are friends. I respect it. There's a wonderful story. I tell you this all the time, the same story. I tell you the same thing all the time. (laughs) There's this great story, you know, the story of the fox. I'm not even going to tell you the story because you know it already. But the punchline is, you know, (laughs) it's a koan, famous, very famous koan, the fox koan. And the punchline is... um, I always forget the French lines. <laughs> <laughs> the Buddha doesn't ignore karma. Right? So if you ignore what's going on in your mind, which is totally karmic, the little chattering mind, that mind, then it runs you. So you can't exactly ignore it in a certain... But on the other hand, if you do ignore it, (laughs) I mean, see it. That's what I mean by don't ignore it. See it. But don't, don't, as Suzuki Roshi said, don't invite it to tea. Don't engage with it. So um, tomorrow we're going to have two ceremonies. And the first ceremony is going to take place before breakfast, before even um, there's light. So it's going to start really early, so please come on time. It's a ceremony of gratitude for Shakyamuni, Siddhartha Shakyamuni that he did his work and 
shared what he learned with us. In fact, this um, retreat that we do in Zen, it's actually called a session, where you sit for seven days. And traditionally, this was the seven days that Buddha sat under the Bodhi tree and woke up at the end of those seven days. So we traditionally kind of reenact that. event. And uh, at the end of it, traditionally, there is a um, uh, ceremony where you chant the Heart Sutra and there's, you know, throwing flower petals and drumming as you chant and circumambulating the zendo. It's sweet, you know. And people say, hooray, you know, for the Buddha. (laughs) Thank you very much. It's a happy ceremony. But um, tomorrow, ours is going to be a little bit different. We're going to tell the story of the Buddha, or actually Siddhartha, um, the evening, the night of his awakening, and the morning when he sees the morning star. And that, so that's why we're going to do it in the morning before light happens, while light happens. It's nice. And the second ceremony of the day is going to be a question and response ceremony where people will come up here individually and ask of me some question that's on their mind or heartfelt. And it's actually a ceremony for the community because it's very intimate, can be a very intimate ceremony. Uh, if people are kind of precise and short about what they want to talk about. It's kind of a meeting, really. It's just a meeting. So you should think of a question. And then a few days after the ceremony, I'm going to leave. I'm going to start living this three-month here, three-month there schedule, which I'm not sure how it's going to work, but (laughs) I'm going to give it a shot. (laughs) And there's some good reasons um, why I decided to do this kind of schedule, some personal. but also some about um, practice for you. Because I really want to make it um, possible for you and clear for you that the responsibility of your own awakening and your own freedom is completely your responsibility. And that if you depend on or rely on someone else then um, it's kind of like a, it's, an unfort- it's unfortunate because then you don't get to have the opportunity of owning your own awakening, your own freedom, your own work, your own effort, your own trust of the process. 
And, and that, that's not so good. I've been in communities where that happens. And it takes people much longer to stand on their own feet because they think somebody is giving them something or they need the other person. We don't. We don't. It's, it's helpful. We, it really is totally helpful because, because I point. You know, I keep trying to point in the right direction. So if people are kind of falling off the path, I just try to help them get back on the path. I encourage you. I'm a cheerleader. I was a cheerleader in high school. I'm still a cheerleader. <laughs> I'm going to always be a cheerleader. <laughs> but, you know, um, when we meet, when we talk and when we meet, I'm actually only basically responding to what you bring. So I think you can really trust the deep yearning that you have for your own awakening. It comes from emptiness. It comes from your mind that's really quiet. Out of that mind, there's a yearning to become who we actually already are again to meet ourselves in truth. And you can trust that. And life will give you whatever it is that you're supposed to be working on at that moment will appear in your own life. You can trust that. And you can trust your own effort. So I think it's good that I go. And then, I'm, I mean, in a second I'm back. I'm going to be back. <laughs> going to be back in mid-March. It's okay. And for an old person, it's just a hiccup in time. <laughs> I was talking to somebody about that yesterday, and I said, well, maybe, you know, if I say like a kid that I'm actually 67 and three quarters, <laughs> that might slow things down. They said no, it wouldn't. So I just want to remind you what the basic practice is, and I want to encourage you to keep going while I'm not here. <clears throat> and, in, and in particular, to support each other. S- support each other as a sangha, you know, as a community of people who are trying to do the same thing, who are not going to be friends to you, hopefully, when you gossip. You know. They're not going to be friends to you when you're, you know, totally caught and immersed in your own story. You know, they'll listen for a while, like I said before, and then they'll say, well, okay, where are you caught? You know? These, hopefully, we turn into spiritual friends on the path together, knocking into one another, to one another, having the trust that we are taking responsibility completely for what arises in us. So that when you have an argument with somebody here, each of you are going to look toward yourself for where you're stuck and then try to figure it out with the other person. So community is really important. And I hope that you, uh, you know, Buddha, Dharma, Sangha is the third refuge. We need to create a strong community here. So, 
total responsibility for how you respond to anything, everything. Sit daily to remind your mind of its essence and to help you be mindful, to develop continuity of mindfulness all day long, to watch and practice with resistance to life as it has come to be, notice the contraction around self, stop, wait, open carefully, slowly, privately if you need to, and then come back to the present moment. Be careful of attaching to thought, to ideas. This is what creates suffering for yourself and for the world. Do longer sittings. As lay people, we have to stop in our life and do longer sittings. I appreciate that it's hard in lay life to practice, but I actually think it's a good thing. The reason why I think it's a good thing is because you have to be really clear what you value. What do you really value? Do you actually see that the practice is the foundation out of which everything else is related to? The practice is the fundamental. And we don't have to be perfect in practice. We just have to have an attitude of curiosity, some determination to keep going, even when we fall off track. And curiosity is different than seeking. It's subtle, but it's an important difference. Seeking is when we're grabbing for something. We want something to happen. It's really dangerous. And it's and it's actually off course. But curiosity, an attitude of curiosity is healthy. It's just an openness of mind. (laughs) Because what we're looking for (laughs) is looking at itself, looking. So it's not so far away. It's this way. And openness of mind actually is the nature of our essential mind. And that's why Suzuki Roshi named the temple, the first temple that he created in the West, 
San Francisco Zen Center, the name of the temple is Beginner's Mind Temple. And he called the first book that he wrote the, the classic, you know, it's a classic, incredibly, it's a incredible book. <laughs> Beginner's Mind, Zen Mind, Beginner's Mind. calls it a mind free of preconceptions, free of judgments or prejudices, without a fixed point of view, just questioning, what is it? What is it? Who am I? Last week I went to my um, cousin's house and they have a baby, new baby boy. And I watched him, he was playing with a spoon. There was a spoon on the table. I knew it was a spoon, you know. I called it a spoon and that's what it was. It was a spoon, I know what to do with it. You have soup, you drink, you have soup, used for soup. He didn't know, he didn't know it was a spoon. So for him, it had all these possibilities. It was an ear cleaner, you know. <laughs> it was something to suck on that he really liked. You know, he banged. It was a drum handle. He had all of these things that he could do. He was just exploring this. He didn't know what it was. It was beautiful to watch. You know, I knew it was a spoon. And, and as soon as I named it a spoon, it was kind of like, you turn away, you know. <laughs> Suzuki Roshi, in one of the fascicles in his book called Readiness, he calls it readiness of mind is wisdom. Wisdom is readiness of mind, this open mind is wisdom. There's another famous um, koan story where the teacher, um, I can't remember the story. I remember the punchline, but I don't remember the story. Oh yeah, this guy is going around on pilgrimage. He's about to leave on pilgrimage, and he has, um, you know, his, they didn't have knapsacks then, but he had his packing stuff packed on his back. He's ready to go, pilgrimage, la da 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 da. And his teacher saw him leaving, and so his teacher asked him, you yeah, know, where are you going? And the guy said, I'm going on pilgrimage. And this was, this was a great moment, you know. So the teacher teacher asked him, what's the purpose of pilgrimage? And the student said, well, I don't know. Oh, I actually, it's kind of a stupid thing to say, isn't it? <laughs> the guy said, I don't know. Well, I, maybe it's not. So maybe he was just going in this kind of, you know, I don't know mind. He was going to discover something. He was going on pilgrimage to be open. You know, when you travel, that's how you travel. You're totally open to whatever situation arises and all kinds of great things happen. We can be that way in New York. You know, that's why my cousin said we were in Washington, D.C., and I was a tourist there. And he said that was great because then he actually got to be a tourist. Because when he was living there, he never went to any of the great things that they have in Washington, D.C. So when I was there, he got to be this openness of mind person. Anyway, so the student said, I don't know. And the teacher grabbed this opportunity and said, 
Not knowing is nearest. Not knowing is nearest. Just not knowing. Curious. Open. The mind open. Awake. So that's the question, you know. Can we live in this profound not knowing? I mean, if you were really honest with yourself, what do we actually know? Really know. Do I know that my apartment in San Francisco is there anymore? I have no idea. Do I know that the studio that I live in up there is there now? I don't know. I don't know if we're having lunch. Is it possible to live in this wide openness? Or do we have to grab onto an identity? I am this. I am that. I want this. I want that. Constantly referencing a me. Constantly making the world small, the mind small, living in separation, contracting around an identity. You already know, actually, you know, when you drop, when you stop wanting, when you sit zazen, if you stop wanting, when you stop waiting for something to happen, and then you drop in, you drop in, a deepening happens, an opening happens. This is Suzuki Roshi um, at the end of his book. I love this ending. He talks about beginner's mind. We must have beginner's mind free from possessing anything. A mind that knows everything is in flowing change. Nothing exists but momentarily in its present form and color. One thing flows into another and cannot be grasped. Before the rain stops, we hear a bird. Even under the heavy snow, we see snowdrops and some new growth. 
in the east, I saw rhubarb already. In Japan, the spring, in the spring, we eat cucumbers. Cucumbers are not separate from spring. So this is a really good day for uh, people who have sat already three days. This is the fourth day. Fourth day is a good day. If you've made strong effort the first three days, the fourth day, you can really settle. You can settle into this openness, this willingness to simply be authentic who you are without having to change anything. And this is the unconditioned love that you've been looking for all your life. And when that unconditioned love is there, the truth is there. And when the truth is there, there arises unconditioned love. It, it, it is who we are. It's our birthright. We just have to let go of everything else, of everything, everything. So, really trust yourself. Trust this yearning, this yearning to know the truth, this yearning to be free. It points you in the right direction. Now, whenever you feel yourself grabbing onto conceptuality in any way that it comes up, have the courage to let it go. We need people in the world willing to die to their separate self. We need people who have the courage to live not knowing anymore, just meeting each being allowing themselves and whatever they meet to be the way it is <coughs> without you know messing with it letting each person be the truth right in front of them the reflection of themselves We need people who are not fighting. 
not fighting inside anymore. I've given up the fight. We need help to do this. It's not easy, it's hard. So today when you sit, it's the cream of your effort today. So really use today to just let go. Just be there and drop in. Just let yourself rest in your own true nature. It's a gift that we all deserve. Thank you for listening to this podcast offered by the Brooklyn Zen Center. Our programs are given free of charge and made possible by the donations we receive. For more information on supporting Brooklyn Zen Center, please visit the giving section of brooklynzen.org.